1: It's time to get happy. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting happiness on TuggyNet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress, Kamen, your host. And I'm here to speak with you today, as I am each week, about happiness well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, And this show is all about the heart. Today's show is unique in that we are going to spend some time focusing on trauma and darkness and sadness, which is in sharp contrast to the holiday season and and what it stands for. But there is a method to my happy madness here, and that is to point out that when we Are able to rise above circumstances that are adverse, challenging, devastating, traumatic. Um, We come out the other side having been transformed for the better, oftentimes. And today's guest is one of those people. His name is Rudy Whitefelt. He has personally faced and overcome incredible tragedies. At 18, he was the pallbearer for his father, who died suddenly in his 40s. At 25, Rudy also served as the pallbearer for his mother. By the age of 33... Rudy had buried three sons and a daughter. So he had six significant losses between his teenage years and his early 30s. And Rudy has also suffered what Wikipedia or medicine may call the most painful condition known to medical science, which are cluster headaches. Through his pain and suffering... The book, The Core of Happiness, was penned by him in the hope that his surviving children would ultimately derive benefit from his philosophy of hope that has guided his life. The Core of Happiness is the first in a series of books with a novel approach to self-help. Rudy is currently authoring a chronic pain management book with Dr. Barry Mitchell, and look for this to be released in the coming year, 2012. Good morning, Rudy, and thanks for being here.
0: Saludos, Lisa, and hello, and how are you to everyone listening and harvesting Happiness Land? And you know who you are. I'm here to say it's better to feel good than to look good. But, darlings, and I don't say this to everyone, you look, you look marvelous, darlings, absolutely marvelous. Lisa, thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, you
2: are a hoot. We are going to have fun because, first of all, we're dating ourselves, because that's fernando lamas from saturday night live it's an 80s thing yes oh no <laughs> and it is better to, to, to look marvelous if you can't feel marvelous isn't that the truth
0: <laughs> well you know i, I saw the promo uh, uh and and saw all this trauma and death and all of this stuff and to know me is to know that if you can't laugh at things and enjoy things, then there's no point. So I thought we should start with a little bit of humor.
2: You know, I think that humor is a fantastic place to start. In fact, it is part of core happiness. It is part of the essence of, of how we um, ignite our resiliency. That's been my experience, certainly in working with, with uh, combat trauma victims and people who have gone through significant challenges such as yourself. It is part of the way out of it.
0: It certainly is, and uh, um, there's, you know, as you've said, and as and, uh, as others have said, um, happiness is a choice. And for people listening, for people who are struggling with the economy or um, joblessness or other sorts of difficulties in today's life, which are many and and uh, ever present, the idea of saying, "Well, happiness is just a choice," that seems very trite. But the fact is, each moment is. Um, is an opportunity, and how we choose to spend that moment of time, like a grain in sand uh, passing through an hourglass, how we choose to spend it is really our choice, and it can go badly or it can go well, and um, it's a choice.
2: It is a choice. And you know, often people will look at me and kind of, you know, sometimes they'll cross their arms. and I don't know if you've had this experience and they'll roll their eyes and they'll say, happiness, you want me to be what? after mm-hmm. what I've been through. And, you know, it's a great conversation starter. That's why I, I love keeping the name Harvesting Happiness, certainly for heroes, which is the nonprofit end of the things that I do, because, you know, it gets people going. It heats them up a little bit under the collar to talk about happiness in the face of adversity. Right. And uh, this is, is the essence, I think, what both of us do and, and how we share the transformative experience from grief, darkness, and sadness to post-traumatic growth, which is really the uh, modern clinical
0: Expression for all of this. Absolutely, and uh, just briefly, I, I wanted to to wish you every best and to thank you for all your work. You're doing amazing things, and um, I, I absolutely love you and your daughter's uh, work on the documentary. It's just fabulous.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, my daughter is now 14 years old, and she I don't know if you know this, but 14 year old girls do rule the world. I've got oh, yes. to understand. And, um, you know, we have our, we have our challenges in the household with a teen and a tween, uh, all trying to occupy the same airspace, but we should talk more about you because this is all about you. You have a varied, um, educational background that has led you to this present moment too in the things that you're doing in the professional world, not only with your, uh, writing work.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I, um, uh, was confused. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I I, uh, I sort of followed a dream of from one thing to the next, and and uh, it, it was also in the context of of what happened with my father. Um, so perhaps as part of as part of an introduction to that, I can briefly just let you know I had an amazing relationship with my dad. He and I had spent uh, hours together every evening through my tween and teen years. Um, and basically, one day, uh, first year of university, I came home and found my brother at the front door, um, and he grabbed me by the shoulders and said, you're going to have to be strong. And I said, why, what's going on? And he said, Dad's dead. And my father was 47, was uh, six foot three, 180 pounds, a pillar of strength in every regard, never smoked, never drank, um, healthy, happy guy or at least so we thought. His coronary arteries weren't very happy. Um, We found out later, much later on post-mortem, that he had 95% coronary artery occlusion. So basically, you know, back in the day, 25 years ago, uh, blood work wasn't nearly as advanced or as common as it is today. So um, he had a silent killer, and as the widow maker is called, uh, he he succumbed to that. And I was in first year university at the time. I was doing a general arts and science uh, program with an eye to physiology. And it was very curious. Um, my first year of university, uh, and I had a bad bronchitis. Now, interestingly, too, just to give you a bit of background, the year prior to that, I had just finished high school, and the year prior to that, I had been out of school you can hear my Canadian accent there out of school for a complete year because of a head injury. so I had been in school, out of school back at completed high school, now in university, and I was knocked down with a bad bronchitis mm. and My dad, who was pretty uh, himself a teacher in in you know he was a University professor amongst other things. He was pretty strict with us three boys regarding homework. He never did our homework But on this one occasion he he really took pity on me. I was taking a creative writing course of all things and um, To shorten a long story. He he did the whole um, essay for me and I was down for a week with this bronchitis I didn't even read the thing he he typed it printed it and I took it in and About a week later he died So lo and behold, a week after that, I got the paper back, and he got an A. (laughs) No surprise (laughs) there. But uh, the the title of the paper was, For Everything There Is a Season and a Time. And with that, uh, with those immortal words sort of echoing through my voice even right now, um, I learned that everything really does have a purpose and a time. Even bad things even turns in the road, they uh, can make you who you are meant to be. And if you maintain that sort of perspective, if you're able to sort of take a step back and look at what happens and say, this may not be what I wanted or what I thought I wanted, but you know what, how can we make the best of a bad situation? How can we sort of take it from here?
2: So, <coughs> Excuse me. Now I've got the cold on this side. Hold on. I'm going to give you a, 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 a covered cough. <coughs> Excuse me.
0: So, so basically, um, it's a long-winded way of saying I, I started sort of in arts and science and physiology, um, then sort of switched and did more philosophy and medical ethics, and then sort of switched again and got into psychology and have sort of stuck with that now.
2: And you've been um, working in the psychological field for, for nearly 25 years in emergency psychiatry as a psychology clinician, 15 years in private practice and 10 years using video conferencing called Skypotherapy. And we're going to come back to this because we're going to need to go to a break because I want to get into a little bit of the advent of video conferencing and how it is changing the face of um, modern psychology and that we're able to reach people who are in, in underserved areas. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen and today's guest, Rudy Whitefeld.
1: know that life is tough, and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa ciphers King on TokiNet.com.
3: Are you someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning, amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day? Or are you someone like me who needs regular infusions of inspiration? I'm Meg Pierre, a photographer, travel writer, and creator of the website www.tokinet.com viewfromthepier.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new, beautiful image from my travels around the world captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. viewfromthepier.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels who offer their personal stories and wisdom along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepier.com. The
1: Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoz, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church?
0: They call us God.
1: Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on TogiNet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
2: Well, we are back today. I am speaking with Rudy Whitefelt, who is a clinician in the psychology and psychiatric worlds. He is the thriver. I'm not going to say survivor. I'm going to say the thriver of considerable amounts of adversity, death and loss in the early parts of his life. And now he's in the early mid parts of his life because he's still a young buck. And we were talking about um, his professional background, and he's been involved with something pretty interesting uh, for the past 10 years, and that's video conferencing for ther- therapy, and it's called Skypotherapy. Welcome back, Rudy. Let's chat a little bit about your professional background and how it kind of um, took you on the path to where you are today with your books and your magic and all the things you're doing to f-
0: felicitate joy in the world. Sure, that's great. Thanks for having me back. I love the music, by the way. Um, and uh, the the whole therapy thing began um, partly just out of uh, pragmatism. Um, I was born and raised in Toronto and have, uh, as you mentioned, worked in emergency psychiatry for just about 25 years now at Canada's largest hospital and have seen a whole load of uh human suffering. Uh, I've seen the human condition in probably every variety and permutation and combination because of the nature of emergency work. And part of the follow-up to emergency work is that it takes a long time. Trauma takes a long time to get over in its various colors and faces. And as a result of that, in a large city and And this is also certainly the case in the u s uh, the The waiting list and the uh, the expense can all uh, really rise to make it almost impenetrable to people to get the kind of help that they so desperately need and i i don 't think it's, um, i don 't think it 's a curiosity that uh the world right now is Using antidepressants at a, an incredibly alarming rate. Antidepressants are the number one prescribed medication worldwide. And, you know, yeah, go ahead, sorry.
2: Well, I just wanted to mention something about that because I, I, I'm a believer that at times antidepressants are medically warranted. However, the majority of antidepressants are being dispensed by primary physicians, including, hang on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen, gynecologists. So a woman will go to her gynecologist and say, I'm feeling a little down in the dumps, and he's giving her a prescription for antidepressants, or she's giving a, a prescription for antidepressants. So there is no real intake interview going on, no real um, psychological or psychiatric assessment. It's, it's sort of like they're, they're being popped off like a bag of M&Ms.
0: Exactly, right. And, and as you say, antidepressants have their role, and, and I'm the first to jump in line and, and wave a flag and say these things save lives. Um, they're they're very critical to have in in the whole armamentarium against uh, bona fide depression. But the fact is, there are lots of faces of of depressed mood, and they're not all clinical depression. So, in any event. Um, the whole notion of Skypotherapy, playing on the word psychotherapy and, and using Skype video conferencing, came about in, in very much part because I was seeing more and more people. Um, Toronto General is a quaternary hospital, so people come from far and wide to get there. And I was just uh, struck by the fact that with the waiting lists, with the distance, with the weather problems to get to an appointment, how neat it would be to be able to incorporate, uh, you know, the, mo- the use of modern technology to help people uh, in their own homes or their own offices. And it's it's been very well received.
2: It's, it's very cool, and it actually is being uh, adapted in many cases um, by the United States government. You know, the VA has a program where vets can do remote Um, counseling sessions, it's actually something that I am starting uh, a program in the uh, middle of the winter where we're going to be offering Harvesting Happiness for Heroes workshops online to um, anybody that really wants to come on. I think we're going to offer the first, first module for free where people can sort of tune in and see what this whole positive psychology movement is about in reference to working with trauma and healing from trauma as one of many integrated modalities that it's not just a, a, a one-size-fits-all to work with trauma but this these tools as you and i both know are essential in moving beyond the darkness back into the light
0: well that, that's a great point because the the other aspect of that is just the psychology of learning people learn in different ways and in a in a circular cyclical way i think the more ways that we can touch people's lives Uh, the more likely it is that these new concepts about choosing happiness, for instance, as simple as it sounds, a concept like that can be really brought in an integrated kind of way when the different learning styles are appreciated and the modalities used sort of address that in different kinds of ways. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Well, the, the the concept of choice in all of this is um, is radical for people who become mired in victim consciousness, which often happens when you when you are traveling through a trauma. Right. You know Absolutely, why did this yeah. happen to me? You know, you know why me? You know, this, I, I, I'll never be the same. You know that is true. You will never be the same.
0: You will come that, out
2: the other side differently.
0: And that, that's the biggest part of of. Uh it because i think fundamentally as humans there's there's a portion of us that's incredibly afraid of what's unknown and we can we can try to distract ourselves we can try to use all the purchases or all the other distractions to to get away from that notion but change is very very difficult for most of us and the the process the process of change is extremely difficult so um I forgot for a moment if I was on a Canadian program or an American program, so initially I said process instead of process. Um, the, the, <laughs> the, um, the, the process is something that, that freaks people out. And, and when you can describe to them that, you know what, we're always in change. Aristotle said, you can't step into the same river once, meaning that the water's already changed and we're always changing, whether you know whether it's a matter of, of, of couples counseling when you're talking to two people and the wife says to the husband, look, you're not the same person, or the husband says that to the wife. Well, that's very true, but it's a matter of understanding that change is a part of life, whether or not we're conscious and cognizant of it as, as life goes on.
2: Yes, and, and, and also the fact that we can remain engaged with the process or process of change yeah. um, uh, is what keeps us out of the darkness actually when you are um, actively engaged in learning or asking a question for example one of my um, most favorite mentors told me you know when you're low when you're depressed you just go go take a class go ask a question go engage because it's the very act of the brain engaging in the activity that actually shifts your thought process and takes you out of that darkness even if it's temporary
0: what a marvelous point And, and you know that I try to get across to the people that I do psychotherapy with is this idea that if we're cold, if we're outside and we're experiencing some chills, we don't just stand there and take it, we do something about it. We either go inside and get some warmth or we put on another layer. We do something about it. But interestingly, when we feel sad, because it's not a a sensation of the same kind, it's like our mind kind of gets doped and we get very confused and we don't know what to do. But I, I always try to suggest to people that emotions, whatever they are, they are really uh, opportunities, They're, they're sensations of sorts, they're internal cues to what's going on in the environment. And we need to be able to understand them as that and react to them.
2: I want to get into some of these other areas that you're involved in. You've got so much good stuff that you're doing, and I'm so excited to share it. You've got your book. You've got um, Mind Care. You've got um, the second book that you're working on, on chronic pain. Uh, where should we start first? What would you like to talk about? What would you like to share with people today?
0: Well, um, we can talk a bit about the software company. Uh, a few years ago, uh, a colleague of mine uh, who had read uh, the core of happiness um, said to me, "You know, have you ever thought of applying these uh, these principles into?" Uh, a software type program, so that people can apply it again, it, it, you know much of that initial consideration was in the context of the idea that there are a long waiting list. people need to be helped we can 't help everybody. People are waiting often months for a crisis appointment in follow up so there 's something wrong with this picture so uh, the the need bore out the opportunity and so I said, yes, actually, I have been thinking of that, but I've never had the impetus, and so it would be great. So we started, and we started slowly. We did uh, research to understand what's happening in that realm around the world. There have been some interesting work done in Australia and in Chicago, and um, then we, we slowly put together a couple of modules, and now I'm continuing the process. So essentially, this is for... Uh, individuals who are looking to find yet another way, another means of of uh, introducing change into their world, dealing with an issue, learning more about it, and having a mechanism that works for them. So... There are web-based modules that one just does on the computer wherever, and there are mobile-based modules offering the opportunity for um, reminders and uh, you know, even sort of text messaging popping up with uh, positive affirmations of the day, that sort of thing. So, the, as technology evolves, the opportunities for this kind of thing are just going to be enormous.
2: Well, thank goodness you have the kind of brain that can process this stuff. I'm like a complete goober with this um, technology. And, I'm, you know, I, I learn because I, I have to learn. But it's nice to know that there are people who are psychologically minded out there, such as yourself, who are taking this work and creating applications so we can access um, assistance 24-7 and access them without necessarily making an emergency phone call. You know, sometimes a 911 phone call is not what's needed, but we need a 911 for ourselves. And that's what it sounds like this this is doing. We're going to go to break in 30 seconds. And when we come back, I want to talk about um, a novel approach to chronic pain. I want to talk a little bit about your first book. I want to talk about Be Happy for Life and Magic, because I think that there's some exciting Um, things that you're doing with magic as it relates to corporate training and group training that uh, have some wonderful applications and here come the tunes. You can find Rudy at BeHappyForLife.com
1: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers-Kamen on toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here. How to
4: Invest Where to Invest Where to Save Where to Get the Right Insurance What to Do About Taxes Should I Relocate My Business Or Ever Purchase A Property That's Where Go To My Radio Show Comes In Join Host Chris Holt Tuesday Afternoons At 1 Pacific 3 Central On GoToMyRadioShow.com Choose The Right Financial Professional And Learn More About The Products And Services While Learning The Terminology And Strategies Used By These Professionals Go To My Radio Show Is Unbiased And Chris Holt Your Host Will Ask Ask the hard questions and take calls to help you connect with the right professional who can help you better handle your financial and business choices. Go to My Radio Show is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. And most of all, choosing the right program and the right professional for you. Go to My Radio Show with Chris Holt, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central, on GoToMyRadioShow.com.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Tokenet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Tuginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. What is
2: happiness? Welcome back. Um, Today's guest is Rudy Whitefeld. He is an emergency psychiatry and psychology clinician in the Toronto area. He is a writer, he is an entrepreneur, and his love in the business world and in life, really, um, is happiness. How about that? Can you imagine a show about happiness? And how he arrived here is through a very different path. And he arrived through a considerable amount of adversity and loss uh, from the age of 18 through his mid-30s. He had gone through six deaths of very close family members, parents and children. And through his adversity, he came out the other side Um, with a deep understanding of pain and suffering and the concept of the core of happiness, which is his first book. The second book is um, a book about chronic pain, as we mentioned. And on the break, Rudy and I were discussing um, about the uh, the pleasures of this path and what comes out the other side. And you, you, you said something that was just a gem, and I was hoping you remember it, that you don't have dementia setting in at the moment like <laughs>
0: I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this one I do remember. Um, and it is that um, so much of... Of what I do, whether it's sitting individually with someone, or whether it's trying to design software that's going to help a large number of people, so much of what I do, or, or frankly, if it's just talking to myself, which is you know something I do quite a bit as well, um, because uh, you know life never stops going through peaks and valleys, and we consistently have challenges. I, I don't want people to be under the um, impression that because I had these six losses, that that life is now just a downhill ride. There are still always challenges, and I need to be reminding myself of exactly the kinds of things that I'm trying to help others learn. So one of those primary things is that we have to define happiness for ourselves, because our society, especially in the West, has instructed us uh, through various means and we could spend an hour just talking about how this all started with Freud's nephew, Edward Bernays, and how propaganda started and marketing started. But effectively, the whole idea that, that marketers tell us what we want before we know what we want. And the, the notion that stuff is going to get us happiness and other things are going to get us happy, happiness, having a baby, graduating, and so on and so forth. The, the, the addiction to the pursuit of happiness is, is written in sort of the U.S. Constitution. And I think that, in fact, it isn't so much about what we have at all. I, I estimate that probably 90% of our happiness comes from how we live as opposed to what we have
2: I, I agree with you. I, 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 too, have just finished a book, and um, it's called Are We Happier?" and it really focuses in on the value of less. You know, that, that um, less is more. And that when we um, eliminate all of this sort of gobbledygook that we have in our lives, when we finally have the epiphany to realize and understand and fully know that happiness is not in the happy meal or in the right car or in the right physiology or even in the right relationship, that it is something that comes from within, we create a lot more space to enjoy it.
0: You're so right. And, and um, one of my favorite phrases is if you think that money can buy happiness, or if, if rather, if you think that a lot of money can buy happiness, clearly you've never had a lot of money. <laughs> and, right, right, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and yet, and yet I, I routinely kind of ask this question through blogs and, and just through traveling through the world on a day-to-day basis. What would you, you know, I say to people, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a million dollars or happiness? Or would you rather have this or, the, or happiness? And the fact is, I think that our, our brains are, are hardwired right now into the idea that happiness is an end. It's the, it's the end of the journey. It's the, it's, the, it's the point at which we will reach um, something. And, yes. and I think the point that we're agreeing on here is that it really is the journey in itself. And again, that sounds trite, but it certainly is one of the lessons that I've learned.
2: Uh, myself included. You know, um, I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm not just a spokesperson for, for the cause. I have experienced in myself um, some of the traumas that you share and, and the issues that have gone on in your life. And I certainly have come to know to the bone that um, it is not conditional that actually that that happiness resides in tandem with all the other dark things and challenges that life represents. And it's how we access it. If we are able to access it and shine the light from, from the darkness, um, you know, turn it and focus it a little bit on the joy and turn the screws in our minds a bit as to what that means, too.
0: Mm-hmm. A little quick story to tell you very briefly probably five years ago or so, um, had a uh, one-year-old little baby boy named William Anthony, and he, um, uh, I, I was getting some, uh, some milk ready, and I was downstairs in the lower level uh, at a refrigerator pulling up some, some milk and walking upstairs to the, to the kitchen. And in Canada, as opposed to the U.S., their milk is sold in one-liter bags, So three individual one-liter bags. So I'm carrying these three bags up the stairs. It's one o'clock. I'm pretty zonked, and I'm preparing bottles for the next day. And uh, I'm, I sludge the three bags up on the counter, and with my eyes sort of half open, I take off the twist tie and swoosh. It was as if I graduated medical school, and all of a sudden I was an obstetrician. All this milk <laughs> just came all over me, and dribbling down the counter and onto the floor. And I paused for probably a tenth of a second, and then I started laughing. And the reason I started laughing is until that moment in life, which, as I say, was about five years ago or so, until that moment, I had always talked about the, the old proverbial saying, don't cry over spilled milk. Now, here, life was showing me, okay, buddy, you think you're so good? Here you go. Let's test you out. So I started laughing. And the whole physiology behind that, I think, is absolutely interesting as well because if you think about it, when we get stressed, our adrenaline starts kicking in. We start getting various hormones uh, that start pumping and coursing through our veins. And what happens is those hormones act on all parts of our body for periods of of 20 minutes or half an hour. And I, I realized intellectually many, many years ago that for a situation like that where there's spilled milk, we can allow those hormones to take over. But what happens is after the 10 or 15 minutes of cleaning up the mess, you still have at least another 15-20 minutes of those negative hormones to deal with and in that time you can get angry at somebody who put the milk here why did this happen and and so forth and so on you can get really upset and what happens is people are likely to bark back and then there's physical evidence there's real evidence to say the world hates me i'm i'm obviously a bad person and it starts a whole uh a whole negative uh downward uh spiral of thinking and it's horrible so instead when we laugh at something like that, what happens? We get, we get positive hormones dumped into our system. And the, the whole process of of uh, smiling and laughing and, and jiggling our gut and all those good things, uh, it, it's, it's contagious. And we, we remember intellectually at that point, let's get the bucket, let's get the cloth, let's clean this up, and let's move on.
2: Mm, very, very well said. Let's talk for a little bit about the magic of happiness and how magic has come into your life with some of the other things that you're doing
0: sure well uh as part of um as part of my interest in connecting with people who have a, a deep desire to to educate and promote happiness in the world uh, because it is truly my fundamental belief that happiness is what everyone seeks regardless of where you are so i, I reached out to various people and, and and met a couple of great characters one of whom uh is steve diamond who is a uh, uh, Las Vegas, famous and world famous um, illusionist. He's he's really on the David Copperfield kind of level, um, and probably isn't as well known as David Copperfield. Certainly isn't as well known as David Copperfield, but is tremendously skilled and uh, has actually beat David Copperfield in some uh, competitions way back when. Um, just just as a for instance, one time for a World Cup. Uh, Stephen was hung upside down uh, in a straitjacket with the cord on fire. He was held up in the middle of the stadium with a uh, helicopter, and somehow he got out of that. So he's, he's an amazing illusionist. What had happened was that uh, in the year 2000, Stephen was touring with the Osmonds, and uh, one evening he had a panic attack. And after that panic attack, he decided there's more to life than just performing. So he went on a decade um, exploration as to how to deal with panic and anxiety and is the founder of a very popular uh, website called StopStressingNow.com. And Stephen's helped enormous numbers of people, including veterans, by the way. Like yourself, Stephen has pegged uh, the needs of of our veterans to to help them with uh, PTSD and so forth. So he's produced uh, books and and audio programs. And uh, the two of us connected, and we got along great, and and the rest, as they say, is history. We also added... um, Jimmy DeMessa, who is, a, who is a physician, a corporate CEO in the biotech field, who also uh, worked with uh, Tony Robbins for many years. So the three of us, are we, we dub ourselves as sort of the Dr. Phil. And uh, 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 let's see, Dr. Phil would be uh, one. Then there's uh, David Copperfield and, uh, and Tony Robbins, all on one stage. And the magic that you spoke of is the opportunity that the three of us together incorporate in our in our gigs in our talks to help people really tangibly and in their gut understand what emotion is and how you can change it
2: brilliant this is this is wonderful and and the target of the three of you collectively is our corporations
0: yes uh, not necessarily at all we've done we've done uh talks for uh for groups uh as small as 50, and yes, corporations as well. We've done university talks to university kids. So it, it doesn't have a specific focus on corporations, although that's certainly a very likely um, spot for this kind of thing, for sure.
2: Well, if you need like a chick to come and help out, you know, that knows this work, I'll come and join you.
0: <laughs> oh, well there you, absolutely. We'd love to have you. The babe love on the stage you.
2: doesn't hurt, right? It
0: never hurts. <laughs> No, actually, just in all seriousness, uh, for folks to have a good laugh, uh, do check out the BeHappyForLife.com website. There is a very good uh, short snippet of, um, of of one of our talks, and you can see the reactions of people. So it, it's, pretty, it's pretty powerful stuff.
1: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how. On Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers-Kamen on toginet.com. The trick to getting published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's the trick to getting published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, Thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events, and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on TokiNet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TokiNet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
2: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Rudy Whitefelt, who is a... Toronto-based clinician. He has a background in emergency psychiatry, um, psychology in a hospital... Psychology clinician is how he's worded it. He's been in private practice for 15 years. He's also a businessman that who's involved with all kinds of software and application development for mental health and other health issues. He's an author. He's written a couple of books. And he also is involved in um, a happy collective with um, a, a magician as well as a, another uh, a physician. And they do presentations called Be Happy for Life. You can find Find that at BeHappyForLife.com and we're going to close out this last segment with a discussion of his novel. He has written a novel um, that really describes the path that he's traveled with severe and and abundant loss in the early part of his life. The name of the book is The Core of Happiness and it is um, the first in a series of books and um, Rudy tell us a little bit about writing a novel about your early experiences?
0: Well, thank you uh, for that sort of question, because the, the the process of writing a novel is is quite different from writing a, a, a typical self-help book. Not that I'd written either previously, but just intuitively, to my mind, it, it was a very different process. Um, the, the idea, and really this idea goes through in every respect, whether it's a, a software uh, package that I'm putting it together, or whether it's a, a presentation for a, for an audience, um, as I've tried to um, tried to suggest, the idea of being engaged, the idea of being uh, entertained and kept on the edge of your seat, at least a little bit, when I when I give talks, people tend not to know what I'm going to say next, and that. Whether it's, a, whether it's a voice, whether I'm doing an impression of Freud, or whether I'm doing a Chinese woman, or whomever I'm, I'm doing voice-wise, it, the intention is not just to introduce some level of, of, of levity. The intention is to keep people interested and alert, because all of us have a tendency at some point of drifting off when, when we're listening. So... Entertaining people was a primary consideration in writing a book about happiness. I wanted people to be engaged and interested, so the idea of a novel was something that came about pretty quickly, and I just decided to use the the, the names of my four children who had died, Richard, Mary, Lucas, and Joseph, and um, they're essentially happiness interns. They go to a... Uh, to a bakery, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, they go to a bakery, and on a weekly basis, have happiness seminars, happiness talks with Max, the uh, baker. And um, I certainly encourage people to go to uh, uh, thecoreofhappiness.info for a free download of, of chapter one to get a, a really a, a good bite-sized taste of what this book is about and, and how it's written. It's um, it's different for sure.
2: And um, Max is your dad.
0: Max is uh, Max is my dad. That's right. He, uh, m- my own dad, was classically trained in many, many, many things: uh, uh, philosophy, economics, mathematics, science. Uh, He was a perpetual student um, and uh, really had just an incredible breadth of knowledge, and and that really contributed to the whole idea that we were more than just father-son. We were best friends. So as I said, every day we sat down after dinner for two or three hours uh, during my entire teenage years, and uh, it was a remarkable experience. I had the best dad. So, yes, Max, Max, in, in the true sense of the word, Max was my dad.
2: Wow. Well, the, 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 I'm looking uh, at some of my notes here, and I, I, the three points that you point out or you are um, looking to illustrate in the book is defining happiness for yourself, eliminating unhappiness, or reducing the negativity in one's life, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, thirdly, maximize personalized individual happiness. And you right. talk about five key relationships in life. And can you
0: talk about those here? Sh- sure. I think um, the, the main take-home message is exactly those three points, that first off, people need to really understand what happiness is to them, not, not to just take in what we're taught. We're inundated with messages, as I mentioned earlier, from marketing campaigns and so forth. But really, for me, for me as a person, to live authentically, to live as who I really am, not as who even my parents want me to be, but who am I? What makes me tick? To to know that and to understand what the differences are between how the world seems to project me and how I need to project myself, that's a fundamental key to happiness. And so understanding the myths of happiness is a part of understanding, I think, the definition of happiness. So that's the first point. Secondly, reducing unhappiness. There are tons of stresses in the world. There are existential uh, crises. What's my life about? What happens after I die? There are also very practical things to consider, like money and health and so forth. Um, and so we, I think we need to understand the differences between stress reduction and stress management and how to employ both of those things to make the best possible uh, world that we can for ourselves. Because there's, there's little question that that having money is not a bad thing it's just that people need to tweak their impression about what money is to not make it the only thing because then relationships suffer and and so many other things can suffer and my argument is not that money is bad my argument is that having money is a part of the process it's not the end in itself so the third part, which I'm excited about, is, is helping people be proactive and really take responsibility for their happiness. And I concocted one day, one sleep-deprived day, this thought experiment called the Retro Prospectoscope, RPS. <laughs> and it's kind of a, a human GPS. And what the difference is, is that unlike most GPSs, um, which tell you where you are, The idea behind the RPS, the retro prospectoscope is that it tells you not only where you are, but how you got here and where you could go from here. And very briefly, just to tell your listeners about this, the the experiment, the thought experiment is really about taking a piece of paper and a pencil and starting with a timeline. On the very left is birth and to the very right of the page with a few dots is our natural death, hopefully at an old age. The next step is just to mark down what our current age is. And let's assume we take statistical average and and say we live to be 75 or 80 years old. Mark down relative to that end point where we are right now. I then ask people to look back and, and arch backwards to our first memories. What are the key things that we remember? If they're good memories, write it down above the line. If they're bad memories, write it below the line, making little marks. You can just write one, two, three, four. You don't have to write the whole story there. On a separate page, write out the more of a story. And what this does is it allows a person having done this exercise to look back at their life a little bit differently. Because I think one of the things uh, about telling somebody your story is it necessarily has to be coherent. And that's one of the beauties of narrative therapy as well. You have to tell your story. It, it becomes unjumbled. It uh, necessarily takes on a degree of cohesiveness because there's an intention to tell somebody else who knows nothing your entire story. Whereas when we just think about things ourselves, we remember things, but we become vague about it because we don't tie all the all the, the connections and dot our I's and cross our T's. So looking back is the retro part of it. And, and when we look back with a, a bit of an arm's length, we have an opportunity to gain insight into the themes of our life. What are the positive themes? What are the negative themes? And when we do that, it gives us, I think, great instruction as to how to now move forward in life because we can take those themes and apply them to different circumstances. We know what to avoid, and we know what to shoot towards.
2: <clears throat> this is brilliant. This is a this is a very um, and I'm sorry for that phone in the background. Usually, I run around and I. Turn off all my phones and I, and I forgot to do so today. So, you know, this is just one of the things that we have to deal with in life. But I love this RPS or the human GPS that, that, that you describe and how each one of us can really uh, apply this very easily if we just take a moment and stop and think and um, look at our lives in terms of these milestones and how they've affected, uh, affected us positively and negatively and how we have gone on from that point from that, that memory, good or bad. And right. how how much control we actually do have, not of what life presents to us, but how we relate to what happens to us.
0: Exactly, precisely.
2: And that is the crux of, of of the whole happiness business, you know, really, is how we relate to the issue is, is in fact, the, the very issue itself. Um, we are running very rapidly out of time, and I want to make sure that we allow uh, enough time to plug the websites, the first of which is www.behappyforlife.com. You can find out more about Rudy Whitefelt and his colleagues there. Also, um, to reach Rudy directly, it's Rudy at happysolutions.net. And I have a couple of closing thoughts that I would love to share with you as I do each week, but they are particularly applicable to today's guest. And here we go. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice, to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and Rudy Whitefelt wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest actions. And remember... That happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And to um, connect with me and Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, which is our pending 501c3 nonprofit corporation with a mission objective to offer stigma-free support services to warriors and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration issues. You can find us online at hh 4 We offer battle- Battle Buddy workshops, family awareness training, online community support, one-on-one coaching services, as well as retreats for warriors and their loved ones to decompress from battle and understand the tools available for them to adapt their military skills to civilian society. Very important, especially with the troops returning home from the Middle East at this time. So connect with us, connect with me. And connect with Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio each and every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for listening. Wishing everybody the best day ever. And thank you, Rudy. I hope you'll come back again because we've got so much more to talk about.
0: I had a blast. Thank you so much.
2: Me too. Have Have a fabulous day. And here come the tunes. We'll see you next week.
1: Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Zipers-Kamen. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Tokyo.